Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That's what I will um, say. That's what a crown is there for, bitch. Hiding your ratty ass wig. Your ratty ass wig. <laughs> um, that is a, a big trick I always have for wigs. Cover the hairline with something Put pretty. a crown on it. Put a crown on it. Um, I remember when my mom got me that, um, the framed picture, which I still have, that says, um, every time you feel down, adjust your crown and remember where you came from. Um, I think that means that my mom's the queen and I'm the princess. Technically it works because you're from Queens. Oh my God, we're queens from Queens. Double on the Yeah, but it's, I think it's a little bit different than that. But I've got a small crown. Why aren't I wearing crowns more often? You know, I didn't wear one for the wedding. Did you wear a crown for the wedding? Nah. And I, I feel like that's the only time... As adults, we're allowed to wear crowns, and I think that's bullshit. I wear them all the time. Why aren't I wearing crowns more? There's let's no bring reason. It into, let's bring fashion into real life. I can't, Where it's are already the crowns? happening, baby. Already happening. <laughs> Adjust your crown. Mm-hmm. Adjust it, hopefully in a more comfortable position, because uh, they're very heavy. And they get uncomfortable. Heavy hangs the head that wears That's the, the crown. One. Yeah, the one. That's right. Of course. <laughs> Silly me. I can't not say it. Sorry, maybe I'm just starting to get all, because I know who we're going to meet oh, yeah, in you're this giddy. episode. I feel like dumb right now. I'm, I am crotch dumb and brain fun. <laughs> That's what you always <laughs> want to be when you meet men. Because we are or at today least meeting. Bat boys. Bat boys. And they are just as broody as the Batman himself. Specifically one of them, which we'll get into. Yeah, yeah. He's a bit of a shadow singer. Oh, I hear the word shadow. Don't look at me, Natalie. You're not allowed to look at me the Wait. second the bad boys enter. Thank you. I mean, it's going to get a lot more awkward. This is a book where it gets really awkward. <laughs> this is when it starts to get turned. Um, so 
We are meeting some new friends today, more than just the bad boys, in fact. When we last left Ferris, she had decided that she couldn't stand being alone after being rescued from the uh, spring court. After agreeing to Rissan's terms, he has winnowed her to a warm, inviting house wrapped in the sounds of a city. Goosh, goosh, goosh. You turned on I'm by sorry, the city. I'm sorry. I'm not good. I honestly, I am turned on by the city because I was making. Speaking of crowns, I was making a flower crown the other day um, on sure. my Twitch, mm-hmm. and we were making flower crowns because that's my name. B taught me how to make. Why a aren't flower you wearing crown. them to this? I show. actually literally, I literally forgot to bring it, mm-hmm. and I'm very mad because I it was going to match my outfit right now. That's a bummer. And um. I forgot why I was talking about this. Um, you oh, the city. Back. Because I sent, I was like looking at the, a picture of like what the House of Wind would look like. Mm. And that was my inspiration. Like Valeris in general was like my, my inspiration for my flower crown. Sure. And I was turned on by the city itself. Ah, okay. I thought you meant more like the New York sounds because that's just a lot of like, Anthony! I'll fucking kill you! Anthony, come down the stairs, Anthony! Your son hasn't seen you in days! <laughs> Which, you know, always gets me in the mood. Oh, woo, woo! <laughs> um, so, <laughs> this is a slightly different kind of city. Oh, yeah. Um, More seductive, honestly. It is, and it seems like a city wrapped in seduction. Mm. So he's either really setting her up for some sort of big trick or it's like, this seems really nice. Is he going to do – is he going to put me in like a cage or something? Um, or is he really just trying to live a nice life and be nice to a woman? That's always the question, isn't it? I love living in fear, yeah. don't you? That's cool. <laughs> Are so, you trying to be nice to me right now? Are you trying to be nice? It keeps it spicy. Yeah. He informs Feyre that Nuala and Serajwin are also here. As you remember the two wraiths who are his spies slash handmaidens. Yeah. And but otherwise, it's just Reese and Feyre in the house. Gulp. Gulp, indeed. Getting hot in here. Before the question. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, no, I did this. This you is think, my fault. You think that's not going to be the last time I sing that song? No, I don't think that's the last time you'll be singing that song. Before questions start coming out from Feyre, we hear, hurry up, you lazy ass. A deep male voice drawled from the antechamber beyond. Exhaustion drugged me so heavily that I didn't particularly care that there were wings peeking over their two shadowy forms. That's that's being very tired if you're not questioning the wings. Bad boys. There are, in fact, a few voices just out of frame here. Two males first. And their presences seem to amuse Reese, as though Reese has a ghost of a smile, like he's lightened somehow by their presence. After he's let Feyre know that she is, in fact, safe here in this home and in this city, Valaris... A city, he goes on to say, that has not been breached in 5,000 years. He goes on to say that the two fellows at the door are bastards, and she would be wise to go upstairs and rest before she has to meet them. But this isn't some sort of dark warning that she would have gotten under the mountain. No, it's cute and light. Like, there, there are a couple of bastards. Why don't you go get some rest? And, oh, yeah. Oh, but we just need to meet them. Well, Reese sounds like he's almost playing, like a playful voice. And the exterior voices are calm. They're even merry, which is something that she can't even process right now because of all the, the traumas. She's going through a lot, yeah. 
Uh, but Feyre, you know, again, is no condition. And since she's still reeling, she decided that perhaps the spring court might not be my home. Whoa. That's quite a statement to make. Mm. Then another voice, a female's, is audible. I should be just as excited to meet Moore, who is one of my favorite characters. Oh, we've characters. met Moore. Oh, yes, we have met Moore. That's right, because she took her out. This is the other. <sighs> okay, all right. So I, I'm allowed to have my loins circling the Bat Boys right now. Oh, sure. I mean, I do love me some Amarin. Uh, so Ooh. from outside of frame, I'm saying frame like it's a movie, uh, a voice filled with, quote, icy cold midnight is heard. But still there is no terror running through her or the others in the house. It's still friendly. And she's as she's making her way to a bedroom with Nuala and Sarah Joyne, we hear the continuation of this familial group of people who are chatting and remain downstairs. Well, as, as you said, making a way downtown, walking past, faces past, I'm in Valeris. Don't do this to Valeris. <laughs> Come on. Mm. It does need a soundtrack. <laughs> That's not what she sounds like. Who is that? I think it's Vanessa Carlton. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, now we need to know. Very important for us to find out. No, not I would walk 500 miles. Just walk. Smile. Yeah. Into the sky. It is Vanessa Carlton. We can all rest easy. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> this is what happens. You know, you get caught up on a Vanessa Carlton lyric mm-hmm. and you can't drop it. No. You, you, you got to get, get through... The <laughs> intrusive thought. <laughs> it is an intrusive thought, yes. It's not, I'm going to cut my hands off today, but it is Vanessa <laughs> Carlton. Can't we do both? So, Feyre has gone upstairs to a bedroom, and we hear the voices of this familial-sounding group downstairs. The house being described in the book reminds me of a beautiful brownstone in Manhattan. It also kind of reminds me of Center City, Philadelphia, which I love. And I say Philly because Mass and her husband live out right outside of Philly. So I don't know if that had any inspiration. Sounds like we're Philly bound. We're not going to be creeps. I love Philly. Sarah, you could just be our friend. We're just, we'll just drop in and then maybe we'll get lunch. Philly's probably my favorite East Coast city. I love it there. Um, and also their house, their old, their old houses are really pretty. So there. Um, again, this is a, what I would consider house porn. Dude, have you looked up any of just like if looking up? I'm sure you have fan art of Valaris oh, yeah. and of House of Wind and just like looking through yeah. how comfortable it must be. Yeah. And, but also sensual. Oh, always yes. sensual. Always sensual. Uh, again, uh, so, yeah, it's house porn with this perfect room overlooking a garden where Feyre is going to crawl into a massive, squishy bed. The contrast to, was interesting to me, uh, how she described the room compared to those of the spring court. Might, might might be notable. When she's talking about these rooms, they're warm and soft and inviting, comfortable. And I might be wrong, but I don't remember her saying that about any of the rooms in the spring court. More no. so that they were grand and yes. like intimidating. Yes, and that she didn't feel comfortable. Like, you can tell the sense that she never felt comfortable at the spring court. And I mean, and you would think, like, well, she was brought there under really traumatic circumstances. Well, she was also brought here under fairly traumatic circumstances. Yeah. And she's like, 
wow. And she actually sleeps here, yeah. which also changes your entire brain of how you think about a place. If you're going somewhere where you know you're not going to get any sleep, yeah. then you're just like, well, I may as well cut off my hands. No, no, not back to that yep, thought. intrusive thoughts <laughs> popping in. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I think that's true. It really also you go back in retrospect and think about it in that way because I didn't pick up on that when we don't know she's going to the night court, mm-hmm. but you go, yeah, well, yeah, she never really felt like cozy or like peaceful in that house at any point. Um, and so as she's being prepped for bed by the two handmaidens, she barely has the energy energy to muster curiosity, but is intrigued enough to ask who all those people downstairs were. Sarah Drin replies, their reasons in her circle. Can you imagine someone getting you ready for bed? I'd be like, don't worry about it. I barely wash my face. I'm just going to take my clothes off. I'm good. You don't need to prepare me like I'm a stew, you know? You don't need to, like, pre-crisp me. What if they just helped you get ready the way you would, where they just, like, half take your makeup off and then, like, face you face down on the bed yeah. with your legs off? You're like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> just still makeup smeared on my face. How often I don't get all the makeup off. I've never, I mean, anytime I wash my face, still mascara. I'm sure it's going to blind me eventually. Yeah. I never get all of it off. I wash my face four times and it still comes off with black It's fine, I'm sure. I know, but that's the thing. They're like, well, stop using waterproof mascara. And I'm like, bitch, I cry too much to not wear waterproof mascara. Got to. That's your your burden to bear. Thank you. Um, So... This is inner circle. Sorry, I I juked. (laughs) This only... The inner circle discussion only further confuses Feyre as she doesn't imagine a high lord to have such a casual collection of confidants. This leads her to another question. How? How is the city here and safe after the reign of Amarantha? Saradwin and Nuella kind of look a little hesitant to talk about it. And, and they basically say it's not their story to tell and she needs to wait for Reese to divulge that. After asking the wraiths to not close the curtains and leave her in darkness because it is scary, she collapses into an exhausted sleep. When she wakens hours later, she's dressed in fashions by the twins that for some reason make me think of the 1930s. It's like knee-length coat, brown uh, pants, cream sweater, suede shoes. Oh, but it's just so comfy. Like a big cabin hang. Yeah. I, you know, I can't pull off a cream sweater, but. Oh, not me. I'm always, I'm covered in cream. I'm Jackie covered in cream Zabrowski. (laughs) Inside and out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean that cream. I'm sorry. That also counts. Oh, you meant like, like, I'm berries and cream. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, I was rude. No, you took it to a great place. (laughs) Uh, So. She gets dressed in in this, you know, really, she probably looks very, um, like, beautiful and and stoic in this outfit. And she meets Reese downstairs. And as Reason sees her for this first time in this outfit, that probably is more like a Valera-style outfit, he says, Those two certainly like to fuss, Reason said, though something about it was strained as we headed out the front door. It's an interesting. He sees her and, f- and feels some form of emotion seeing her in, in these clothes. He he leads her out, and we get our first glimpse of Valaris. 
By its description, I immediately think of Italy for some reason. I don't know what she was going for with it, but I think it's like the cobblestone streets and the being on the water. I know Italy is not all on the water, but I've only ever seen the parts that are on the water, so I just think of it that way. Um, And you get this idea of it being bustling and vibrant. There's people walking around and feeling discomfortable and not fearful, which is something she hasn't experienced in Prithian yet. They're contented almost. Interestingly, we get a wider scope of how the others look in the city, and it's very similar to a modern city where people have very drastically different looks, individualistic and artsy. Uh, I need to be looking more into the streetwear of Valaris. Oh, we, yeah. We, that's sick, dude. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I just want to go there. It's really difficult to reread these books. I just want to live there. <laughs> Is that sad? We're doing a whole podcast about it. I know. I'm so glad that we're talking about it more. Take me there. What are you looking at? Streetwear Valeris. Let's see if there's anything on streetwear Valeris. No, it's just it's just just Fabe merch. It's just lady sweaters. Yeah, boring. Yeah, we need it, it needs to become part of the zeitgeist enough that like streetwear companies are making. Like edgy Valeris. We're working on it. And if you are listening right now and you make streetwear, hit us up. Let's talk. Please. Let's figure out some fashion for the Faye Bays. Here's some some description of it. Faye in various forms of dress meandered by, some in coats like mine to ward against the crisp air, some wearing mortal fashions with layers and poofy skirts and lace, some in riding leathers— all unhurried as they breathed in the salt and lemon verbena breeze that even winter couldn't chase away. That's, yeah. um, See, in my head, it's definitely more like K-pop meets Valeris. Yeah. Like, that's what I want in my streetwear. I want yeah. it more like um, like seductive colors, but pop. Yeah, totally. I agree. I think there's like a little bit of like Harajuku kind of style yes. in there makes sense. Um but also, I mean, there's some steampunk, but we're just going to, like, rein it in on the steampunk a little bit. You know what I mean? Yes. We are going to use, like, the cogs and stuff, but I like some of the steampunk. We can have a couple. A cog or two. Oh, fine. Just a couple of cogs. Fine, a top have a cog. hat. I could put a cog on the top hat. <sighs> You're right. I'm wrong. <laughs> the, homes of, <laughs> the homes are made of marble with copper roofs. There's a river weaving through the thoroughfare that empties out to the sea that she can see over the side there. Across the city on the northern border are vast red stone mountains, and Reese tells her that his other home is at the top of the highest peak. This is not the same mountain range as the Moonstone Palace. We're in a whole nother mountain town, baby. Yes, because normally there will be now a map behind me, but I didn't get time enough to hang it before we recorded this episode, and so you just have to imagine it. Dreams of this map, you know? I feel like I don't know if the map exists, Natalie. You just saw it on the way I to didn't, the studio. I see nothing. Mm, she's lying. Cut it's there. Um, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> So we're on a whole—so basically the Moonstone Palace is on the east coast and the the Red Mountains where his other home is is on the west with Valaris. Um, this place, which we will soon see at the top of the mountain, is called the House of Wind. Feyre is stunned, perplexed, flummoxed even. She asks again, how? Reason— Resond, we can say resond now. I'm gonna to try to say when if I'm saying the full name, I'm gonna say resond because Love it. now I've been 
I'd been told that after the first audiobook, she changes it to Rizond, which is uh. what everybody wants it to be. So, but most they'll say Reese. Rizond replies simply, luck. Instead of feeling delight and, you know, uh, you know, excitement that these people got to escape all of it, Feyre is angry. Why did these people get to escape the wrath of Amarantha when so many suffered and died? Why do these people of Valaris get to be spared from that fate? And, you know, in, in that moment, you know, that might sound a little selfish, but it's understandable. Well, I mean, I think that she thinks about all of the people that she herself had to literally single-handedly save by going through the traumas that she went through. So I'm, I'm going to assume that it's her trauma speaking here sure. of I mean, why she's so upset. She just had to murder a boy. So I guess that, that, that looked will... in her eyes and pleaded for her not to. Yeah. That's so. effed, bro. So I guess it makes sense where she, she's like, oh, congrats to these people, I guess. Um, and Reese seems to understand this. He says that he was only able to keep his people safe because Valaris is a secret, not just from Amarantha, but anyone outside of the Night Court. So this is like a really big deal that he brings her here. It kind of is like, I don't know. Is it saying something? Is about it like a trust you... thing? I don't, know. I don't know. But also, is it sexy? Yes. What if he's just doing it because he knows he's going to kill her? That would be suck face. It would be. And he... not in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> so due to ancient magic, 5,000 years ago, his ancestors decided to close the borders of the city and create wards and spells that keep people from finding it or remembering it if they become compromised in some way, which seems like a lot of work. It is a respite amidst a sea of discord. But this don't oppress a her much. <laughs> I thought you were going to chime right in. I, <laughs> no, I I was taken aback by something else, and then I just got brought back in by that don't oppress her a much. <laughs> the way she sings it. <laughs> that don't oppress her much. Uh, uh, uh. Um, what were you going to say? Um, <laughs> Nothing. Okay, good. Great. Why didn't he save others when Amarantha struck? She's not impressed with it. She, why didn't he? Why didn't he help the others? Why didn't he let people into Valaris? And Reese says that he had to make some very hard choices in those moments. And I refer back to that time under the mountain. He did have to make very hard choices then, too. Some that make some of the readers hate him and side with Tamlin. But What's right is often really difficult, and some people may see inaction as a more, oh, it's a pureness. My hands are clean. I didn't do anything. I didn't have to do all of these, make these choices, which is like that sort of hippie activism. Not all hippies, but like the kind where they're just like, I'm a pacifist, man. I'm just going to dance around, but I'm not going to do any of the hurting, but everybody else is going to have to take care of everything for me. Isn't that fun? And but they're not fighting the fight. They're not. Not like the old punk rockers do. Yeah, I'm starting a fight. I'm starting a battle between punks and hippies right no, now. No, Reese essentially, like, puts himself in to take all of it so that his people don't have to. And he had to do difficult things like put Feyre in a really humiliating, difficult, painful place in order to save her from being torture porn to death. So those are the tough choices. And this is another one where he had to save these people. He had to let other people die because he couldn't save everyone. 
She's not satisfied oh, with his heavy answer. heads that had with crowns. <laughs> that was like the AI version of trying to say that sentence. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to open up your mouth and see what flops out, you yeah. know? That's the key to podcasting and comedy. Um She's not satisfied with his answers, but she also is sort of resigned to this. She's she's just upset still. She's upset. Yeah, dude. But she allows him to lead her through the center of the city, and it is a thriving area of arts and culture. It's divided into four quadrants. Palace of Thread and Jewels, Palace of Bone and Salt, Palace of Hoof and Leaf, and the last one, trigger warning for painting. <laughs> It's called the Rainbow of Phalaris. Oh. The dancers, the actors, I'm assuming sketch comedians yes. are there, whatever the version of Murder Fist is. Oh, my God. I would love to see Valaris Murder Fist. What if I wrote a Murder Fist and Valaris sketch? Do you think that they would do it? I, I please, you have, you have to make them do that. Make them do it. <laughs> For the love of God. Yes. For the love of the cauldron. Um, yes, it is called the Rainbow of Valaris, which is where all of the, the performing arts are. And the painting arts. So we... Yeah, it's the Bushwick of Valaris. It is the Bushwick. But, like, it's better than Bushwick. Whoa! The trust fund kids haven't taken over. Yeah, that's true. Valaris, yeah. yeah. It was it was Bushwick from when we lived there yeah. uh, 20 years ago. Yeah. <gasps> no, it hasn't been that long. No, it hasn't. <laughs> it hasn't been 20 years yet. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Sitting here middle-aged Listen, with elf ears on. Reese is 500. He's like 700 years old. Yeah. Don't give this to me. I don't You're give right. a shit. Yeah, okay? He looks great. He looks great. <laughs> I'm going to dress like this when I'm 80 so everybody can go fuck themselves. <laughs> yeah, Natalie. Um, <laughs> we also see through Farah's eyes that there are a bevy of different kind of fae inside of Valaris. High fae and various lesser fairies I'd never encountered and didn't know the names of wandered the streets. It was the latter that I noticed more than the others. Some long-limbed, hairless, and glowing, as if an inner moon dwelled beneath their night-dark skin. Some covered in opulescent scales that shifted color with each graceful step of their clawed, webbed feet. Some elegant, wild puzzles of horns and hooves and striped fur. Some were bundled in heavy overcoats, scarves, and mittens. Others strode about in nothing but their scales and fur and talons and didn't seem to think twice about it. Neither did anyone else. All of them, however, were preoccupied with taking in the sights. Some shopping, some splattered with clay and dust and... <gasps> And paint. Mm. Oh my God, mm. she loves paint. <laughs> she is triggered. Um, <laughs> these all failed to move Feyre. All she can think about is how dead she feels inside. She's being a real Emily the Strange. The Fae hopping about, oblivious to the terror that she and many others just went through, is perhaps alienating her further in her mind. Like she feels dirty and dark and broken. And can relate. <clears throat> I'm tired, she says. Reese agrees to take her back to the townhouse. And as she gazes at all of these innocents, her heart is filled with rage and resentment. Reese picks up on it through the bond. The bond. Easy, Reese murmured. 
I whipped my head to him, my breathing a bit jagged. His face had again become unreadable. My people are blameless. That easily, my rage vanished, as if it had slipped a rung of the ladder it had been steadily climbing inside me and splattered on the pale stone street. So he has, whether or not it's through some magic of his, he has the ability to sort of soothe her in a way. And she's, she knows he's right. She's like, doesn't actually want to hurt them, but she's just doesn't know what to do with her feelings. Yeah, dude. Um, she can't feel happy for them at least yet. I did try to look into any interview our um, Sarah J. Mass may have said where she was basing the law or something, but I couldn't find any mention of it. But if anybody knows if she said it in an interview, interview hit us up on socials. Please. And thank you all for sending all of your messages yes, and thoughtful. thank you so much. And yeah, just like input. your support and just really, really appreciate you guys. Yeah. Um, as they return to the house, we learn the names of those disembodied voices from earlier. And they are Cassian. Asriel and Amrin. <laughs> His inner circle. <laughs> His inner circle along with more. We also find out here that Amrin, the woman whose voice sounds like midnight, is his second in command. He says that she's older than the city itself and that something different prowls beneath her skin. You know what it is with Amrin? I think that I am so uh, like – I so respect her character and fear her character that I can't see her in a sexual way the way I see Moore and Cassian and Azrael. I do I do enjoy we'll I don't want to say anything yet because we're not at that part, but I do enjoy her her romantic yes, relationship. Yes, oh escapades. yes, no, no, no. I'm like I'm definitely on the sidelines going like, go Amran, go Amran, you get it, girl, you get it. Um, but I think if I did say that to her, she would, like, turn me into dust. Probably. Maybe. Um, perhaps. So the two women of his circle are his second and third. And that's right. Two women. What? This is the lesbian feminist agenda that Hillary Clinton wants for Valaris. <laughs> so it's got – he goes uh, – it goes Reese, then it goes Amarin, then Morgan. I hope you're all happy. I'm happy. Good. Me too. We'll learn more about Cass and Az soon. As they have this exchange, Feyre has a thought of unaliving herself, and Reese reacts with passion. In that moment, she accidentally flashes into his head and gets a glimpse of herself. She short, she's sort of taken aback at seeing herself through someone else's eyes. She's gaunt, colorless. She's painfully thin and looks exhausted from grief. It really makes you again realize how little Tamlin was able to face her pain. Well, he couldn't do any. Like, he literally, um, I keep saying literally. Now it's in my brain and I just keep feeling it in my mouth. He literally cut his hands off. Cut it. No, he did. <laughs> no, I think that he's just actually emotionally incapable of communicating and connecting with her in that way to help her move through it. Yeah. But even this, when Reese, like, he replies with pa with a passion mm -hmm. that, you know, that he wants to connect with her in many ways. And won't al allow her to just have that, bi like, bypassing thought and lets her know that that's not what she deserves, basically. Um, and in, the, in that, even though Tamlin, I think, wasn't doing it intentionally, he was willing to let her waste away instead of deal with it or try to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. For a moment, Feyre thinks Reese has done this to her, gone to, into his head, 
as some form of cruel punishment or example, but Reese is actually taken aback that she somehow has gotten through his mental shields. He's the most powerful lord in Prithian, and no one should be able to penetrate his mind so easily. Oh. He muses on whether it's because of the bargain inked on her left arm. She doesn't seem to give a fuck, but he persists in telling her, you need to understand how dangerous this power is that we both now hold. The person who holds this kind of ability in, in Prithian is called a Dimati. I didn't I, I looked for an any etymology of the word, but I didn't find like direct connections. But if you have ever read His Dark Materials, uh, which is my favorite YA uh, series. So good. Um there I would totally do a deep dive into his dark materials. Oh, I love I don't know if Henry will allow us to do it, but why? Uh, um I would absolutely I love that series. Uh I'm starting I'm starting the change.org now. <laughs> Good. That's what he'll respond to. <laughs> uh, in that series, they have a, uh, like a almost like a little soul outside of the body called a demon or a daemon. Oh my god, this manifests as a little animal. Yeah, I know. I get very jealous about I that. I know. Part. Maybe Wendy is your da- is your daemon. She's not really helpful. Oh, she's very helpful. She's comforting. I know because I cried in front of her not that long ago and she literally just put her paw up on me and just like looked at me and I pet her and then she just like licked my hand and licked my hand and I stopped crying. She was. She's very good at that. Yes. Um, That's what Feyre needs. Get a dog. Get a dog. Companion animal. (laughs) Emotional support dog. Uh, So... Also, in Greek mythology, the same D-A-E has connections to divination and knowledge. So this sort of works here. Demati, you can kind of see in somebody else's brain. The information only – this information about being a Demati only serves to anger her more. So she has this power and she is supposed to help destroy Highburn and – be the forefront of this war, and his people get to go about and paint. They get to paint? But she loves to paint. But she's supposed to help fight in this war. You don't feel a sense that Feyre is filled with blind hatred and disgust for these people or even resign, but sort of at her wit's end right now. Like, why does she have to keep doing this? Later that night, Reese wants to take Feyre up to the House of Wind to have dinner with his inner circle. Beyond that, he wants her to take this time to decide whether or not she wants to help him in the up- upcoming war. He will not force anything on her. It is her choice. But he wants her to decide after she meets the others. However, there's a slight problem. To get to the House of Wind, you can't just walk through the door or even winnow in due to the wards protecting it. You either have to fly in or take the 10,000-step staircase at the foot of the mountain to the top. Which means that in order for Feyre to get up there, she's going to have to let Reese fly her in, <laughs> which she is not feeling. In her haste to be respectful of those high fey, she's just chosen to wear a gown, like a fancy dinner gown, midnight blue long sleeve gown with a plunging V. I winced at the swath of night between the roof and the mountain residence. The wind will rip my gown right off. His grin became feline. And then she gets all mad, and I'm like, girl, you knew what you were doing by saying that. Like, what did you think the response was going to be? The she wind was will flirty the right gown there. right off. She's like, oh, how dare you? And he gives a, a feline grin at her. I'm like, you know what you were doing. I love that they res- like they describe Reese as so cat-like all the time, which I think is interesting because 
technically Tamlin is the beast, but they they more and like is a lion of sorts. And yet they never referred to him as feline in any way, shape mm-hmm. or form, just as more of like a brutish animal. But Reese, they always describe as very like cat-like. Yeah, I think maybe it's sort of weaving a feminine and masculine together. Yes. Which is what sensuality often is. Yes. And, you know, Tamlin's kind of a, more of a, like a himbo-ish kind of, like a rugged uh, guy. Yeah. Not that's bad. It's not bad. It's just different. Bit of a Jacob, yeah. He is a bit of a Jacob. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. She feigns not wanting to be picked up by him. I'm just going to say it, okay? She's like, well, I don't want you. You better not. No. Like, she may as well have sounded like yeah, that. Yeah. So he scoops her closer using his wing. He promises her that he'll keep her safe and he won't even mess up her hair. If she wants to leave, if she doesn't want to work with him and his confidants, he'll give her a life somewhere in Valaris. She can go paint if she fucking wants to paint. He scoops her up. Isn't that awesome, too? I feel like that is, like, something that she doesn't even really let sink in of, like, he's saying that, like, you can live here in this peaceful place forever. Mm -hmm. Or you can help us. And so either way, you never have to go back to spring court. Yeah, totally. So he scoops her up. And the second she relents to him and says, okay, just don't drop me, he zips through the air and up to the house of wind overlooking the sparkling city. Whoosh. I guess it's more like, flop, 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 
That sound actually, that sounded Although more like fat, fat, fat. Yeah, it does. <laughs> that's not what I meant. Not what I meant. Whoa. Uh, not yet. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Oh. I'm becoming a newsie. <laughs> no, you want a pape? I think it's because we're in Valaris now. It yes. feels like that's what would fit in there. Yeah, I'm the queen of New York. Um, so as they're flying up to the House of Wind, they're having a conversation and, and we learn that Reese's mother was an Illyrian and thus the one who had the wings in his lineage. We don't know much about her at this point, but he seems to think of her tenderly. Reese lands them on the balcony of the House of Wind and as Feyre is looking out over the city and the sea, Reese asks her to tell him a thought in exchange for a thought. When she doesn't answer, he says that he's thinking that through the 50 years he spent under the mountain, he's never he never thought he'd see the city again. He then ponders on how if a war comes, he may have to wait a long time until he enjoys another peaceful night staring out over the balcony at this place he loves so dearly. Maybe it was some shred of courage or recklessness, or I was so high above everything that no one save Reese and the wind could hear. But I said... I'm thinking that I must have been a fool in love to allow myself to be shown so little of the spring court. I'm thinking that there's a great deal of that territory I was never allowed to see or hear about, and maybe I would have lived in ignorance forever like some pet. I'm thinking. The words became choked. I shook my head as if I could clear the remaining ones away, but I still spoke them. I'm thinking that I was a lonely, hopeless person. And I might have fallen in love with the first thing that showed me a hint of kindness and safety. And I'm thinking, maybe he knew that, maybe not actively, but he wanted to be that person for someone. And maybe that worked for who I was before. And maybe it doesn't work for who, what I am now. Whoa, trauma dump. Whoa. But, I mean, I imagine, oh, in his arms, flying through the air, that all of these feelings are coming up. They have to be, right? Oh, it's like, oh, get him a rug. Oh. Oh, a magic carpet. I see. Okay, was that was confusing carpet. for a Yeah, second. no, it was. Yeah, no, it didn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> he can show her the world. Show yeah, he can show her the world. Okay, okay. Before she can explore this anymore, this thought she just had, this thought, uh, series she just had uh, were greeted by two grinning hunks of meat. They're winged <laughs> and they are wearing the dark scaly armor that we become familiar with Illyrian fighting leathers. They are the voices we heard when Feyre first entered Reese's townhouse and they are again informally greeting the two of them even being a bit ostentatious and flirty. What? We're immediately informed by Pharaoh's thoughts that these two flying flirty fays are smoking. Smoking! Cassian de- is described in a way that immediately makes me think of Khal Drogo from Game of Thrones, but with the personality of IRL Jason Momoa. Yes. So, like, the Big old and- hum- yeah. himbo. Oh, yeah. he is the himbo of the himbos. Yeah. He's scruffy and rugged. He is, his hair is shoulder length. He's sort of goofy, and he's... Fucking jet! And he's got these huge wings. And we are a lot about wingspan <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Cassian! Hi! It's <laughs> <laughs> the leader of Reese's army. I suppose he needs to be pretty jacked. 
Asriel Reese's Spymaster is more of a Brandon Lee's The Crow meets Bruce Wayne, in my opinion. He's the broody boy. Yes. He's pretty but moody. He's tortured. Haunted by the ghosts of his past. Oh, let me fix you. Oh, I want to fix you. He's Gerard Way with muscles and a haircut. That's how I see him. Further distinguishing his goth persona are his terrible burn scars on both forearms, something so gruesome that even magic couldn't fix them. Around him swirl shadows that seem somewhat sentient like they do Azrael's bidding. The trio of Bat Boys consider themselves brothers, though only in name. They all have different, very different backstories, which we will learn over time. Yes, we will. This is all even more disarming to Feyre, as these consorts of Reese's are not cold and formal, but loving. Very early into the introduction, Feyre wonders aloud how Cassian's managed not to get himself killed with his needling and badgering, and he laughs openly and, and heartily. She's wary, but also manages to fit in so far with this motley crew. I would feel like, you know, in the same way that, like, every time I would watch one of, like, the Murderfest boys bring someone around, that, like, if she wasn't down to be fun and silly immediately, that, like, I would immediately judge Feyre in this situation. Be like, have a smile. I know, yeah, 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 you just killed all these people. And, like, blah, 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 you're just kept as a captive. But can't we have a laugh? Look at my big muscles. Look at this. I'm so just silly. Yeah, but I'm being silly. Maybe they're just, like, a little damp. We don't know why they're damp. <laughs> Dry them off. So We're not even in a horny bar. It's gonna get so much. <laughs> Soon more enters in foyer fashions, fashions, I should say. Uh, a red chiffon flowing gown with gold cuffs. Yes. And we get the impression that Azriel is pretty immediately horned up for her. I I would be too. I'm also horned up for more. Oh yeah. Another perfect goth boy trait, pining over a blonde girl. Yeah. Feyre observes. But what about me? <laughs> the thick one in the corner. She's watching you kiss her. Oh. No. We, as we see over and over again in media, the dark broody boy likes the very yuppie blonde The girl. fun one. Yeah. Although Moore's not a yuppie. She's awesome. No, she's amazing. She's a badass. She is. So Feyre observes Azriel sort of lo- like longing after Morgan. As she's observing this, Azriel's shadows seem to alert him, like almost like they're whispering that Feyre's watching him. And this is a good way to establish that he indeed is always listening and always watching and, and is, is aided by his shadow wisps. Which is badass and also terrifying at the same time. Yes. So finally we're greeted by Amran. Feyre has a cardinal instinct to run away from this teeny tiny high fey with silvery eyes and is reminded... The, of the fact that Reese has said that something different lives under her skin. I enjoy Amran's fastetic, face static. Face yeah. Yep. Which is all shades of gray. Like she's in a black and white movie and covered in, she also is covered in pearls of different like blacks and grays, which is, I think it's just a fun yeah. look. As though, you know, perhaps her alien eyes only like those colors, like a reverse color blindness or something. Yeah. Through all this, Feyre is getting her bearings in this beautiful mountaintop meeting place. And they are also just as analytical of her, even if they're trying to hide it. During this time, Amran observes Feyre sniffing her and says, So there are two of us now. 
What she means is that both her and Feyre were remade in some way, like RoboCop. Just like RoboCop. What Amran is, we don't know just yet. As the group sits down to dinner, Feyre observes that this feels much more like a family dinner than a government meeting. Like Reese has just brought a friend home from college and the family's trying to figure out this new weirdo. Oh, like son-in-law with Polly Shore. Just like it. Steven Tyler PJs. Steven Tyler PJs. You can tell by this series that we are both ruined by television. Oh, yes. Oh, no, thoroughly. I was raised by television and uh, I've never tried to pretend like that wasn't the case. Yep. Just got to own it. <laughs> As they sit, Amron muses on how there is actually a third remade person. It's not just Amran and Feyre. It's Miriam. Miriam, if you'll recall, was Jurian's lover during the Great War. We don't know Miriam's full story yet, but we do know that she was first Jurian's lover, a human, and then met Dracon, a fey prince, and then fell in love with him. Also remember, Jurian is the eyeball on Amaranthas. The bone hand, and eye. The bone and the eyeball that was always seeing and kept in like a tortured state. At least for now. <gasps> I don't remember if it's been mentioned yet in the books, but it's not a spoiler either way. Miriam is a half-human, half fey. She has a human mother and a high fey father. And Dracon is from a species of fey called the Seraphim, who have feathered wings. You'd think that the sperm of a high fey would just, like, blast through a human egg, right? I mean, we saw what happened to uh, Bella. <laughs> yeah. Man, it'll just eat right through your stomach. Yep. Man, Twilight's so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um so what I just mentioned, does that ring any bells to consumers of other SJM content? Interesting. Ooh. Like Hunt Athalar? I don't know. I started reading Crescent City, by yeah. the way. By the way, guys, Crescent City 3 release date has been announced. Which is good for us because that means we're that much closer to another of the um, Court of Thorns and Roses yes. series. That's all I care about. Yeah. I am very excited for the third Crescent City as well. It's coming out January 2024, bitches. Um, okay, anyway, we learn more about Miriam's changing. But in this moment... Amran mentions that Miriam was gifted a long life but resides in the same body she was born in. Feyre's been entirely remade. She sniffed again, and I'd never felt so laid bare. Surprise lit Amran's eyes. Reese just nodded. Whatever that meant. I was tired already. Tired of being assessed and evaluated. Your very blood, your veins, your bones were made. A mortal soul in an immortal body. I thought that was notable that something inside of Feyre surprised Amarin. Uh Whatever it is, Reese does not elaborate. The scene continues as the food is served and we get a full glimpse of this group's dynamic. Reese, lovingly vexed. I can fix him. More <laughs> does not suffer fools gladly. But I'd fix her as well. Amarin, dry and sardonic. Can't fix Amarin, she's too powerful. Cassian, jovial and spirited. I just want to jump his fucking bones. Azrael, friendly and exasperated. We can definitely also fix him. Okay, Finally. so that's four out of five. Yeah, we can. Right. I think that through sex, I could chill out Azrael. That's my my personal viewpoint. I'm, I I believe you. Suck the shadows I believe your loins right out can of do his it. body. <laughs> 
We're going to have to go over <laughs> at some point. We'll have to go over the bonus chapter that is about Asriel. Yes. If you guys haven't read the bonus chapter that or the bonus two bonus chapters, one is about Feyre and Reese, and one of them is about Asriel, alluding to future books. So we'll we'll talk about those at some point. More importantly, this group's dynamic is friendly and intimate. Asriel, ever watching, notices Feyre's attention on he and Cassian's forearms, not for their pulsating muscle, <laughs> but because they are both adorned with glowing gems, which we learn are called siphons. Cassian's red, Asriel's blue, as though they are kind of mood rings because those are indicative of their kind of personalities, I would say. Powerful Illyrian warriors use them to channel their considerable energy. I imagine like you would a lightning bolt into a DeLorean if you wanted to go back to the back future. Back to the future! Again, that's all I can pull from my <laughs> Raised by television. Vera mm. mistakenly calls Cassian Lord Cassian. <laughs> which is cute. It's very cute, which amuses the group to no end. Reese goes on to explain that the only pure blood person in the room is Morrigan. Not even Reese, because he is half Illyrian, which is often looked down upon as lesser fae or disposable, uh, basically a disposable class. But they are actually their own class, different from the lesser fae. They are just Illyrian. Later, Cassian explains that Illyrians live in their own camps up in the northern mountains under grueling conditions. Azriel was a bastard of a lord within the Illyrian community, but was also born possessing the magical trait of shadow singer. Shadow singer. This made him reviled simply for being born. Cassian had it even worse as the son of a lowly laundress. He alludes to that his biological father might have assaulted his mother, but he never knew who he was. Like Reese, Cassian has a special love and a tenderness for his mother, who he learned had been worked to death once he was old enough to go back and find her. Reese also infers, I guess we can fix him. Yeah. All right, we can fix him too. Yeah, yeah. Reese also infers that Illyrians are a bit misogynistic. Understatement of the year, as we'll learn. For now, not these Illyrians, but. No, but the Illyrian, I don't think they're called a race. The Illyrian the community, class, right? The class of Illyrian. Um, for now, what we learn is that they clip the wings of their females once they get their bloods. I, I don't. There's something about the phrase getting their blood that really yucks me out. I mean, that was just what I said. I don't think that came from the book. Oh, okay. Getting, I think I was, I was hoping to yuck you out. Oh, uh, you did. You Good. did. Def you definitely yucked me out. Um, you know, at this point, the things that will yuck me out, getting their blood. And anytime you refer to um, uh, a vulva in any way as your folds, I learned that <gasps> from Ice Planet Barbarians. And whenever they say, he put his finger between my folds. Ew. And um, that really also yucks me out. And teats. Teats? Referring to your breasts as my teats. Um, that's that's it, typically like a reference to an animal. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, I don't, don't suck my teats. Ew. Like if someone was like, like, well, how would you feel? My brother says seductively, give me your teats. I, 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 all of this, ah, my mind just shut down because that's gross. But you're <laughs> saying it on top of it is way worse. Out. And that yucked you out even further. I think that I was just... a double yuck out, bros. <laughs> right there. <laughs> she's tapping out. I think she passed out. Oh, she's gone. She's out. What happened? Oh, she's back. Okay, she doesn't. Okay, no. Oh, we're just doing. Uh, we're just uh, talking. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so 
basically when they get their periods, they can be used as breeding stock instead of like having freedom or flying around or enjoying their lives. Good. Reese's mother was herself spirited and loved to fly. So she tried to starve herself to prevent her period from coming. And that's relatable. Eventually it did come, though, and they, they did come at that point when her period came to clip her and she fought. She fought, you know, tooth and limb to get them away from her. And just as they were about to clip her wings, Reese's father, who was the High Lord, winnowed into the camp. And when he saw Reese's mother, their mating bond clicked into place. Their mates. Though their bond was deep, they were perhaps an example of mated by biology, but not psychology. Mm-hmm. Where she, they didn't really have. A, Like, they weren't really right for each other, but they were biologically correct. While she was permitted the special privilege of keeping her wings because she became the wife of the High Lord, Reese's father refused to change the laws for the other women, even though his mother begged for it. Reese's mother wanted Reese to be Illyrian-trained, even though she disagreed with their sort of doctrines and lifestyle. It was still her people. And since he had the wings that came and went whenever he wanted, she decided he she wanted to send him to the, the training camp for Illyrian warriors, which starts at the age of eight and is really brutal. Ugh, it starts at the age of eight. And then they put them in these horrible training camps and like i'm surprised sometimes that like he has such an affection for his mother when like you'd think that i mean if i was put into a fighting camp when i was eight i'd probably hold some sort of anger about it but i guess that is also where he was trained to be who he is yes and and she lived at the camp and he kind of goes on to explain that because he was going to be so sought after and and hunted his whole life from being the High Lord's son and being so powerful that she wanted him to be fully prepared for all of it, that it was done in love. And also she didn't want him to be seen as weak by the other Illyrians. So I think that is sort of like an interesting development of that character because he does have to do harsh and cruel things as the leader sometimes. And so this sort of helped him prepare for that. Yeah. so what I'm saying is take your, chel- tr- take your children to the forest and have them fight other little kids see if you want if them they to can be make successful. It, yeah, see if they can make it home. Just do like a battle royale, but just in your own like kids friend group. Yeah. Just let them figure it out. Yeah, let them figure it out. It, they'll get stronger. It doesn't yeah. kill you, makes you stronger. Yeah, exactly. Seeing a little taller, you know. Um, <laughs> so during this time is when Reese and Cassian met as young boys. And uh, Reese was seen as the little sissy high fae with his clean clothes. Reese got the crap beaten out of him by Cassian because Cass- Cassian was a scrub in the camp. He was one of the ones who had nothing. And he had to fight for clothes and food and shelter even as a little boy. Oh. So even though he had beaten up Reese, later on that night, Reese saw him trying to find shelter in the bitter cold. And he left his uh, his warm cabin that he lived in with his mother in the middle of the night and brought Cassian back into the house. His mom was pissed that he did this, but then she never made Cassian leave again. Oh. From then on, Cassian lived in the cabin with Reese and his mom at the camp. A year later, Asriel arrived and Reese and Cassian teamed up to beat on him. But Reese's mom knew Asa's mom, and so she took him in, too. Oh, and then they were brothers. Then they were brothers! As they grew, it became evident that the three of them contained great power within themselves. 
so much so that Cassian and Azrael were given their siphons, even though bastard-born Illyrians never had been gifted them before because their power was too much. Oh, my God. They're so strong. When it came to- I love the Bat Boys! <laughs> when it comes time for Reese to be High Lord, he appointed Cass, As, Moore, and Amran to be his consorts and challenged anyone who had a problem with it, and they could, they could leave Valaris if they didn't like it. Many did, and now reside in the Hewn City. The Hewn City, a.k.a. The, tor- the Court of Nightmares, is the actual inspiration for Amarantha's underground palace. And that's what people think the Night Court is. Yeah. And so that's why everyone thinks they're all so bad and so shady. Dark and, yeah. But they don't know about this whole other beautiful world. Mm-hmm. And the Hewn City is located deep under the Moonstone Palace. So that's a fully functional underground city on the east coast of Prithian and the Night Court. And what court is this? I asked, gesturing to them, the most important question. It was Cassian, eyes clear and bright as his siphon, who said, The Court of Dreams. More, it turns out, was born in the Hewn City, was royalty, in fact. She calls herself a dreamer born into what they know as the Court of Nightmares. We'll learn more of her story soon. Oh, God. Feyre then goes on to explain her own past, the death of her mother, her father's lost fortune, her starvation, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, Cassian asks if she ever learned to fight during this time when she was hunting, which she says no to. He offers to teach her. She bulks for a moment, and then... I would not be weak again. I would not be dependent on anyone else. I would never have to endure the touch of the adder as it dragged me because I was too helpless to know where and how to hit. Never again. But what Ianthe and Tamlin had said. You don't think it sends a bad message if people see me learning to fight, using weapons? The moment the words were out, I realized the stupidity of them. The stupidity of of what had been shoved down my throat these past few months. In that moment, she realizes she's been kind of played. Congratulations, you played yourself. Oh, yeah, but also it's not she's in the middle of trying to process all these traumas. And then you have two like people that are in charge of your keeping that are like, you shouldn't fight. No, you can't be a high lady. No, you can't do these things. No, you're incapable. Of course, it's going to weigh on Mm -hmm. you over time. And I feel sad that I feel like she's so like angry towards herself of not being strong enough to get through it. Like, girl, give yourself a little slack. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, in that moment, though, that is the re- the full recognition of, holy shit, I let them tell me these things, yes. and I believed them. And, you you know, she's trying to justify the actions of a person she loved, and ain't we all done that? Mm-hmm. As she's working through these thoughts of realization, more steps in. She says, let me tell you two things as someone who has been perhaps in your shoes— Again, that Amran, who was giving me a look dripping with distaste. One, you have left the spring court. If that does not send a message for good or bad, then your training will not, either. Two, I once lived in a place where the opinions of others mattered. It suffocated me, nearly broke me. So you'll understand, Pharaoh, when I say that 
I know what you feel and I know what they tried to do to you. And that with enough courage, you can say to hell with the reputation. You do what you love, what you need. Thanks, more. She's getting yas-queened all yes. over Yes. She considers this, that maybe more is more of a friend to her than any of these other bitches like Ianthe. So Feyre mulls it over and says, I'll think about it. That's what she's decided. And that's about the fight training. To resign, she says that she will accept his offer to work with him, to fight with him against Highburn. And amongst all of this inner circle, because they're so great. And it becomes apparent that the others in the inner circle didn't know that they were auditioning for a new teammate through Dang. all of this. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. As soon as Feyre says that she will work with him, Reese gets right down to business, though Feyre To get- defeat the Huns! It's a different kind of fight. It is. That's from Mulan. I don't know if you remember that one, but... Uh, it's like the like same, it. basically. Yeah. It's the Osmonds. Yeah. Reese <laughs> gets right down to business, though Feyre has the slightest hint down the bond that he's pleased at her choices through that connective tissue they share. According to old, whoa. Is that what they're calling it these days? Yeah, the connective tissue. Yeah, the ye old connective tissue. Yeah, give me the teat. <laughs> no. <laughs> According to old Reese here, the king of Highburn wants to resurrect Jorian? Sure. Now I've heard everything. Yeah. Copyright Holden McNeil. Thank you for giving him his due. Feyre comes to realize that the Adhar disappeared after Amar- Amarantha's death along with that ring in the bone. And that's a big rut row. That is a rut row right there. So 
Reese has had some intuitive understanding that this was something the King of Highburn has wanted to do. He wants to resurrect Jurian to help, like, basically, like, cause a catalyst for the apocalypse. Um, some intuitive hot high lord senses. Reese has already picked up on this, and he contemplates on how, you know, the king can figure out how to resurrect this man with just those little bits of trapping in his soul inside. It's one of the things that he needs Feyre for. Amran, the tiny ancient one, says in her dry way, you know, just go into that hell prison and, they, and talk to that guy they call the Bone Carver. The Bone Carver. It's the coolest name. It is. I would love to have the nickname the Bone Carver. It's Everyone cool. is scared of the Bone Carver. How could he not be? His name is the Bone Carver. It sounds like you trap men in your vagina. Yeah. Carve them to shreds. Or I could carve them into little, I like, oh, whittle little them shapes. into little shapes. Yeah. Maybe a little elefante. Oh, a little elefante penis. A little beluga. That's what I call it. Yeah. Oh, a little beluga whale. Um, so maybe. Uh, you know, th- that was Amron's suggestion. She's like, they're all trying to figure out how they can work through the king's plan on resuscitating this little piece of bone and eyeball into a human. And Amron's just like, yeah, the, the bone carver inside of that scary prison. So in true hero fashion, everyone in the inner circle is like, I'm going to go. No, I'll do it. No, you can't go. And then, well, everyone except Amron, she's like, nah. No, I ain't you doing it. That's on you. I'm good. Uh, but Reese says, nay, it is I who will go. And perchance, Feyre Archeron. Oh, she's got to make her knuckles. What is it? Bite her teeth. Teeth her teeth herself in. Isn't that her phrase for that? <laughs> teeth in. She's got a teeth into the group. That's what I've settled <laughs> on. Wait, no, that is like make your teeth. Uh, 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 Have teeth. Knuckle up. Cut your, cut cut your teeth. teeth. Thanks, Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Cut, cut your teeth. Your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Amron, <laughs> Amron concurs. She says that the bone carver needs to be entertained, cajoled into giving up information. And he'd really only be excited by this newly made fey female, mm. Feyre. They all wait for Feyre to buckle under this pressure. But, I mean, she's already slaughtered a bunch of monsters, so I don't know what they're worried about, really. Remember when she went into Under the Mountain, didn't know anything about it, just was like, oh, this is the way in? Okay. Like, this is, yeah, she's going to do it. Yeah, and she does. She says YOLO. At the start of Chapter 17, Reese is taking Feyre back down the mountain to the townhouse uh, so they're done with their dinner. They've had this meeting. She's agreed to work with them. And he's flying her back down to their the townhouse where she was earlier. And she asks him why she was able to feel his emotions earlier when he she felt the, the, the pleasing feeling that he had when she agreed. He says the bond that he created via the bargain is a living amorphous thing that he doesn't fully have control over that the channel is created when he provided what she needed. She says that, well, what I needed was to not be dead. Reader Reese counters that she needed not to be alone. Our eyes met. It was too dark to read whatever was in his gaze. I was the one who looked away first. They have a silent commune there about how intense and difficult this war will be what they will have to do to keep these people safe. 
Rizan has already done so, of course. He was assaulted for 50 years while using the last remnants of his power to erase the memories of anyone who knew his inner inner circle to keep them safe, protect them from Amarantha. That night, Feyre is in the throes of a terrible nightmare, one in which Amarantha has her prone and nude on the floor. You're as much a monster as me, she says in the dream. She glides a knife over Feyre's chest, prepares to carve her up when... <gasps> Feyre! She's jolted awake, shaken by a resound. The voice was at once the night and the dawn and the stars and the earth, and every inch of my body calmed at the primal dominance in it. Woo! The moonlight trickling through the windows illuminated the dark lines of swirling tattoos down his arm, his shoulders, across his sculpted chest... Like the ones I bore on my arm. He scanned my face. A dream, he said again. So Feyre is sweaty and it's, you know, covered in sweat. She's tussled. She's, it's clear she's been screaming. In her terror, she's evoked fire from her hands and she sent her bedclothes. She's got so much power inside of her. And she can't control it yet. Just like so many nights at the spring court, her nightmares end with her running to the bathroom sick and nauseated. She runs this time to the bathroom and toilet and hurls her guts up. Only this time... Large, warm hands pulled my hair back a moment later. Rizan has come to comfort her. He gently guides her... You mean in the way that Tamlin never fucking did? I never fucking did it! He didn't. I'm just saying. He never did it. Seems like a very simple thing you could do to comfort somebody, but why? Well, he knows know. that it's hard, and he wants to show that he's there for her. And so as he pulls her hair back, and he gently guides her in words, helping her to stop the flames still coming from her fingertips at this point, because she doesn't know how to do it. And he continues to explain that he often has nightmares as well, that they share this terrible affliction, this guilt He strokes her back as she continues to be sick, and eventually she passes out on the toilet. Not on the toilet. (laughs) She passes out throwing up. I've been close to doing that before. (laughs) Just, uh, and people think that I've Elvis, and I'm like, I'm not. I'm alive. (laughs) Just napping. I can, I can relate to. Take a nap. (laughs) I definitely can relate to passing out. On With the my floor, face on yes. The, in the toilet. Oh, yeah, yeah There's yeah. never been a, a hunky fairy there helping no. me. Um, Pharaoh wakes up under clean sheets in her bed with no memory of how she returned there. The next day, after Reese drafts a letter requesting audience with the summer court for some yet unknown reason, they, Reese and Pharaoh, winnow away to the intimidating gray mountain that contains the prison of the night court. Reese is dressed in Illyrian le- fighting leathers, and Feyre, for some reason, keeps noting the muscles rippling underneath her. I don't know. Maybe she really likes anatomy and wants to be a doctor? Yeah, it must be that. Like, I think that she's just really impressed by his Like, fortitude. wants to know what his workout regimen is. Mm, wants yeah. to ask about gains and yeah. and not gains and minuses. Uh, li- uh, yeah. Lung- lunkhead? Yeah, 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 being a lunkhead. Reese explains that they are standing <laughs> on the Western Isles on a little chunk of land off of Prithian. This is where the baddies are stored. Feyre has not realized until this moment that the prison is underground. Under a mountain! <gasps> she begins to panic. 
Reese reveals that Amryn was once a prisoner in that mountain, but she looked a bit different in that prison than from the little Spitfire we see today. We Probably don't know. the fashion was different, I'm sure. Well, she would look. She was in a different body. Mm. We don't know what that body was. It doesn't distract Feyre enough, though, and she begins to have a full-on panic attack. She realizes that the idea of going under a mountain is shutting her body down. It won't allow her to move forward. She she pleads with Reese to go back, and he does so without complaint. Feyre feels depressed from this failure. However, she's awoken by Amran later uh, with an offering. She hands Feyre an amulet, one that she says holds great power, one that allowed she herself to escape the prison back when she was trapped there. Aww. She warns Farah that she must keep extreme care over it, that it will not be good if she loses it, like a threat. But Amron says that if Farah keeps this amulet with her, she will be safe inside the prison. So then Reese takes her back to the prison the following day. And whenever Farah has this amulet on that she's wearing like a necklace, he looks displeased at it, but doesn't say much more. As they traverse the pathway towards the prison, they discuss Asriel. She asks what happened to his hands. Reese somberly explains that Azriel's father had two legitimate sons, like revered wanted sons with the wife. And their mother, his father's wife, punished Azriel for his father's outside the marriage dalliance. It's not his fault. No, but you see that happening, you know? That's something that does happen in real yeah. life. So... The mother, his stepmother, was cruel and mean to him and encouraged her sons to do the same to him. She actually kept him locked in a cell in the dark for 23 hours a day for 11 years, which is a lot. Uh, He was only allowed to see his birth mother an an hour at a time, Uh, you know, once a week, I think. He was banned from training, from learning to fly. And when he was eight, his half-brothers tortured him, but what— by, sounds like deep frying his yes, arms. horrible. It was so extreme, his skin never fully healed from it, even as a fae. Now he's swathed in shadows. He and is. We have to help him. Don't we, though? <sighs> Reese then goes on to explain that Moore is his court's liaison between Valaris and the Hewn City and is a queen of sorts over both. Amran, he says, is something of a political advisor and ally and a sort of Hail Mary, Hail Mother, <laughs> as they say, that if the kingdom has fallen and she ne- and, and the Reese needs a final, like a last resort, he's going to unleash her from her fae form into her true form and set her upon the enemy. God's help us all. Oh, my God. So she's just like, so she's got this other form that lives inside of her mm-hmm. that is going to be, that's her Hail Mary. That's, that's the Hail Mary. It. If everyone else has died, if Cass and Azrael and Morgan have all died in battle, that's their last resort. So this is basically him explaining the dynamics of his inner circle to her as they're traveling through to this prison. Finally, they get to the prison. Feyre successfully enters the mountain and they traverse along a pitch black walkway in eerie silence. Down and down, they travel deeper into the core of the mountain. Every so often, she senses a presence behind those rock walls. Little else. Reese explains the prison is its own beast that no lord sees over it, and that Amran was there for several millennia at best guess. 
The prison is a mysterious, nebulous creature that is not fully controlled by any one being. When Feyre asks Reese where Amarin came from originally, he says, I don't know. Though there are legends that claim when the world was born, there were rips in the fabric of the realms, that in the chaos of forming, creatures from other worlds could walk through one of those rips and enter another world. But the rips close at will, and the creatures could become trapped with no way home. Spooky! Spooky! Again, this is potentially a reference to the Massiverse, if you read her other books. (laughs) I like calling it the Massiverse. As they travel farther and further down into the belly of this mountain, they approach the bone carver's cell buried in the deepest levels of the mountain. Reese warns that he will appear differently to each Reese warns that the bone carver appears differently to each person who views him. Feyre is terrified but doesn't show it. She won't pull back. Um, Rizond at last released my hand, only to lay his once more on the bare stone. It rippled beneath his palm, forming a door. Like the gates above, it was of ivory, bone, and in its surface were etched countless images Flora and fauna, seas and clouds, stars and moons, infants and skeletons, creatures fair and foul. It swung away. The cell was pitch black, hardly distinguishable from the hall. I have carved the doors for every prisoner in this place, said a small voice within. But my own remains my favorite. I'd have to agree. Rizond said. He stepped inside, the light bobbing ahead to illuminate a dark-haired boy sitting against the far wall, eyes of crushing blue taking in Rizond, then sliding to where I lurked in the doorway. Without Feyre realizing it, Reese has brought something of an offering to the bone carver. The calf bone that made the final kill when Feyre slew the Middengard worm. Reese said. Oh my god, he kept the bone. That's cute. This is just like when Luke Danes kept the horoscope that Lorelei gave him on the first day that they met. I get it. I still have my train ticket the first time I took the train out to go see Jeff out where he lived. And I kept that train ticket. You have something to give the bone carver, I guess. I guess yeah. maybe he'd rather have bones. Oh, I got bones. You know what? And yeah, Jeff also has bones. Yeah, so he's a could... big he's a big bone man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wink. Um so yes, Reese has we've learned in this moment Reese had kept the bone that Feyre killed the Mingar Well, that means with. he had to go down into the poop. He, he had did. to go into the poop to get it. That's how much he was really impressed by her kill. That's really sweet. That does impress him much. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and it works. So, basically, he brings this offering because it seems like the bone carver likes sort of macabre, curious things. Mm. And that's how you can get information from him. This creepy little boy that at least Feyre sees the bone carver as welcomes them into his carved cell. The bone carver wants to know where Feyre went when she died. A question many of us ponder yeah. in the real world. Yeah. 
She agrees to tell him in exchange for a question of her own. She's learning. Yes. The world of the Fae. You got to have bargains. Always a bargain. She says that she remembers her neck breaking and that she was floating away, but for a tether, a line keeping her near like a string on a kite. She pulled on that line and ended up seeing through Reese's eyes that beyond the bond, there was only darkness. And then she was swimming back to herself, trying to reach the surface, like trying to reach the surface of a sea. And that was because she decided she didn't want to die that moment. She wanted to come back. She asked in return for answering this question if there is any way to bring a person back to life to resurrect them if their soul is contained. Like an eye of sorts. Or a bone. Yeah. He at first says there is no way, but unless. He goes on to say that before there was high fae, there was a cauldron. Perhaps we've talked about this cauldron before. Hail cauldron. Should we be saying hail cauldron? Yeah, I love that. Let's do it. So he says that all the magic was contained inside it and that the world was born inside it. But then it fell into the wrong hands where great and horrible things happened. That things were created inside and they were wicked. And the cauldron was stolen back at great cost. It couldn't be destroyed because it had been made to create all things, sort of like the god cauldron. And if it were broken, then it would be sort of the apocalypse. So it was hidden and people tried to move on and forget about it. Only with that cauldron could something that is dead be reforged. So they got to get that cauldron. So the cauldron is a physical thing. It's not just a concept. The idea of God, yeah. So we see the little cauldron pouring out in the corners of the maps in the front of the book. Um, and then they're, they're asking him, well, where could the cauldron be? And he says, well, it was for a time hidden at the bottom of a frozen lake in Lapland. And but then in order to try to keep people from using it for for bad, the cauldron was cleaved from its three legs and that they were all hidden and separated far apart from one another. So there's three parts of the cauldron that you have to get to put the cauldron together. And they were hidden in three different temples. And so if they've gone missing, it's likely the cauldron is active once again. And if we remember back, we heard that some of the high priestesses' temples were ransacked and they were all yes. killed. Yes. Which is maybe connected. I don't know. Mm. So in order to activate that big old cauldron, they have to get all the feet also. And it seems like maybe somebody's been chasing it around. Before they leave, Feyre decides to give one more morsel of information to the bone boy. She tells him there was actually, in fact, a choice in death. That there was some force or greater power offering her a choice. And if she had chosen death, maybe it would have been another world. And that that place was somewhere good. And I think she's telling them this bone carver this and because the bone carver wants to know if he dies, where is he going to go? And she says that maybe there is another place. Man, he's just sitting there alone in that cave, just being like, where do I go when I die? He loves carving, though. Yeah. So you think he's just I guess, yeah, he's just carving all the doors. Yeah. It's nice to have a hobby. It is, you know, in exchange for this information, he also gives her a little chunk. The king of Highburn, in fact, has the cauldron. No! Jurian, no! Uh-oh. This is 
not good news. So Feyre offers one more piece of her heart. Look at them. They really, like, connect. They really, they bonded. Uh, They trauma bonded. Yeah. That she would have put the knife in her own chest if the third fairy hadn't been Tamlin. That she couldn't have lived with herself until she, then her neck snapped and she died and realized that she wasn't finished with some grand design and needed to stay. So you're going to go through all of that. You're going to kill yourself and not free all of the people you just worked really hard to do. I mean, I understand where she's coming from, where she's going through a lot of things right now. Well, she does actually say she would have killed the third fairy to release them to release then them kill herself. and then kill herself. My, I did not make that clear. Uh, after this, the bone carver offers his last bits. The cauldron is capable of shattering the wall. And that there is something called a book of breathings that was also crafted from the same ore that the cauldron is, containing the only way to counter the cauldron's terrible power. After the war, the book was cleaved in half, and one half was given to the human queens, while the other is possessed by the summer court, which is probably why Reese wanted to talk to them, because he knows so many things. Mm, I know. He's so smart. And it's really only kept for superstitious reasons that the book doesn't respond to fae or humans. So it's really just kept as like a tradition. But perhaps the one who is both human and fae or one who is neither human nor fae could summon its powers. Mortal soul, immortal body. Well, Feyre shook. But the little bone boy seems <laughs> the little bone boy seems delighted with their conversation. I shall carve your death in here, Pharaoh. <laughs> up and up into the darkness we walked through the sleeping stone and the monsters who dwelled within it. At last, I said to Reese, "What did you see? You first, a boy around eight, dark-haired and blue-eyed." Reese shuddered. The most human gesture I'd seen him make. What did you see? I pushed. Jorian, Reese said. He appeared exactly as Jorian looked the last time I saw him, facing Amarantha when they fought to the death. Dang, you bone carver! It's I think it's cool that the bone carver just appears as whatever they want that he wants to appear. Yeah, to each but person. it doesn't exp- like it doesn't fully say it's something that you want to see or don't want to see. It's just attaching to some form of your psyche, and you're seeing something of reference that you don't even understand. Yeah, dudes. Um. So now we got all kinds of missions coming up. We Man. gotta prevent this war. We gotta get that cauldron. Get the cauldron. We gotta, we gotta, gotta go find book. the book. We gotta get both parts. You gotta figure out if the book's gonna work, if they put the book together. These books are Ooh. just so well written. Like this, you did such a great job with this chunk, Nat. Oh, because thanks. this is uh, like so much where you're just like, you can feel the books just going like, as you were like ramping up into what this book is going to be, which is an awesome action-packed fuck book and i love these books yeah it's gonna ramp up in both directions yeah, next dude. episode yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i'm so glad the bat boys are in our lives now because uh, i mean i missed them i know i hated not talking about them but now they'll never leave us. i know they'll be with us forever um okay that's a that was a lot for today yeah oh yeah um, thank you guys for joining, and uh, I hope that you find both 
sides of your book of breathings and that they come together <laughs> and they help you kill your enemies. Mm-hmm. And and maybe hopefully someday you will meet the bone carver and they'll and then they'll say I'll I'll carve your death in here. And wouldn't that be really nice? Be pretty cool. Thanks bone carver. Bye. Bye. Please read up until chapter 29 or page 280 in the paperback edition. Well, we have run out of romance scenes up to this point in the books, and so instead I had AI write us a little erotica. Presented by Holden McNeely. Feyre, a female fairy, has sex with a male human named Kressel. She regrets her decision to sleep with him afterward and asks Lucian, a male fairy, for advice, but he says nothing. I fucked up, Feyre confessed. I'm not going to lie. I regretted it after. The morning after I slept with Kressel, I woke up feeling sick to my stomach. I told myself that it was because I was with someone so old and powerful that I couldn't handle it. But I knew it wasn't. Of course you did, Lucian scoffed. You're a grown woman, Feyre. You don't need protection from my kind. Yet Feyre feels guilty about betraying Tamlin. You sound like you're judging me or whatever, she said. Lucian shrugged. Maybe I am. She looked at Lucian sharply. Is that what you're worried about? He stared back at her unblinking. Something like that, he finally answered. I'm not ashamed of sleeping with a human, Pharaoh said, but I regret it. I feel dirty for wanting him so badly, even though I know I can't help it. Lucian assured her. There's no shame in having desires that you can't control, even if you're a queen among fairies. I'm not a quen, Feyre said stubbornly. Not anymore. Lucian decides to seduce Tamlin to get back at Feyre for her betrayal. It started out innocently, a few kisses here, a caress there, but soon Lucian found himself drawn into the house, lured by the heat and light, the laughter and the scent of Tamlin's skin. He followed the scent of warm cinnamon cake to one of the small rooms off the kitchen where Tamlin stood behind a counter, leaning over to place a piece of cake on a plate. When he turned around, Lucian smirked. You look hungry. Whoa. Tamlin's eyes widened, but Lucian ignored him. Instead, he walked up behind Tamlin, pressed his body against the older man's. How long has it been since you've had a visitor? Tamlin inhaled sharply, but he didn't move away. Lucian brushed a hand down Tamlin's chest, feeling the other man's muscles tense under his palm. I don't know, he murmured. A year or two, maybe? Tamlin, Lucian began. I... Lucian, Tamlin said quickly. Please. All right. Lucian breathed, pressing his lips to Tamlin's neck as he cupped Tamlin's cock through his trousers. Tamlin moaned, sliding his hands up Lucian's arms, curling them around his neck. Lucian pulled back, kissing Tamlin softly. Why don't we go upstairs? Tamlin asks. But what about Feyre? What about Feyre? Lucian asked, amused. He hadn't meant to make Tamlin feel bad about Feyre, but he could see the worry in the man's eyes. She won't mind. She might. Feyre slept with Kressel, Tamlin, Lucian exclaimed, and you haven't said anything to her. No, Tamlin said, because I don't think I should. Well, if you're planning to continue sleeping together, then you damn well better tell her, Lucian growled, because you'll never convince me otherwise. 
Lucian. Take off your clothes, Lucian ordered. Tamlin hesitated, but Lucian kissed him again and slowly unbuckled his belt. When Tamlin stood before him completely naked, Lucian smiled, running his fingers along Tamlin's hard, muscled torso. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have a real man inside you? No, Tamlin answered, but now I know how good it can feel, so yes, I'd like to find out. You're, you're beautiful. You're so beautiful, Tamlin whispered, stroking Lucian's dick. So strong and sexy and perfect, so fucking hot. I love how thick you are. And you're so smooth, Lucian rasped, lifting Tamlin's hand off his cock and bringing it to his face. Smooth and soft and sweet and amazing. Me hands are rough from working outside all day, Tamlin protested, reaching for Lucian again. You're still so wet, Lucian pointed out. Your skin is always so shiny. It drives me crazy. Yeah, Tamlin pressed closer, kissing Lucian's jaw. Well, guess what? Mine does too. Love the way your skin feels against mine. Lucian sighed, pulling Tamlin's hand off his penis. He kissed the palm and then slid his tongue along the inside of Tamlin's wrist, moaning softly. If you keep doing that, he warned, we won't get anywhere tonight. I don't mind if we don't, Tamlin said, biting his lip as he watched Lucian lick his own wrist. That's not true. <laughs> Lucian laughed. I want you to come, Tamlin. I want you to come all over my hand and my face and everywhere else. I want you to make a mess and scream my name and beg for me to fuck you harder and faster. Tamlin moaned, oh, pressing his hips closer. Please, he begged. Please, Lucian, I need you to torch me. I need to feel your fingers on me. All right, Lucian sighed, sliding his hand between Tamlin's legs. Just uh, be quiet. There might be others around. He released a, a relieved breath when he realized there was nobody else in the room. Fuck, uh, you're dripping, uh, he muttered, dipping his head under Tamlin's balls and licking them. You like that, don't you? Tamlin teased, holding his breath. Mm, Lucian hummed. I should probably stop. If anyone walks in, they might hear us. And I don't want people to think I'm gay. No, moaned Tamlin. Don't stop. Please, don't tease me anymore. You know I can't stomp by enticed. I'm sorry, Lucian said, shaking his head. I don't want to hurt you. I just... Stop talking and stop touching me, Tamlin ordered. Yes, sir, Lucian breathed. Anything you say, boss. Anything you want, I'll give you. Make me come, Tamlin demanded. Yes, sir, Lucian whispered, licking Tamlin's balls once more before taking him in his mouth. Tamlin cried out, oh, grabbing fistfuls of Lucian's hair as he came, feeling the cool air hit his overheated flesh. He shuddered and shook, then gasped as Lucian licked up the rest of his cum. Lucian grinned, licking his lips clean. You taste delicious, he purred. Thank you, Tamlin sighed. You taste good, too. Lucian giggled. I always have liked my men tasty. Only women get to call me sweet, Tamlin corrected, or pretty. Fine. Lucian replied, raising an eyebrow. But I'm allowed to say you taste good. Fair enough, Tamlin chuckled. I just wish you'd said something sooner. I wanted to, Lucian admitted. I just didn't want you to hate me for it. I wanted to be sure you felt the same way. I do, Tamlin said, grinning. But you can tell me any time you want. You're very enthusiastic, aren't you? The first time was pretty rough. You liked it, Lucian said calmly. But I could adjust. 
They had sex again later that night, this time more gentle and slow than the first. Lucian pressed his forehead against Tamlin's breathing and the strong scent of cinnamon. If you want to do it again tonight, all you have to say is the word, he whispered. I love you, he whispers into Lucian's mouth. Lucian pulls back. What? I love you. Tamlin repeats, his heart hammering in his chest. Lucian stares at him. You're kidding. No, Tamlin shakes his head. No, no, me not. I've loved you since we were 11, since before that even. Lucian blinks rapidly, very clearly stunned. Then he reaches up and runs a gentle finger down Tamlin's cheek. Are you sure? Lucian sighs. Okay, okay, I'll tell you what. Let's just forget this conversation ever happened. No, Tamlin says, stepping forward. He draws a finger up to meet Lucian's chest and then centrally traces it down to top to the top of his pants. Slowly, he brings his eyes up to meet Lucian's and licks his lips. That's not going to happen. Oh, shit, Lucian breathes. He steps closer. Are you serious? Tamlin shrugs. Why wouldn't I be? Because I could destroy anyone who tried to steal you away from me, Lucian admits. I'd kill them without hesitation. Ah, oh, no. Tamlin murmurs. They stare at each other for a long moment. I can't believe I'm saying this. Lucian finally grumbles. But I'm I'm glad you're here. Hey, babies! For more fairy talk and hot touch, join us every week here on LPN Deep Dive's Akatar, available wherever you get your podcasts. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio... And producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.